I attended a murder trial in Fort Benton, Montana Territory. To say that it was unusual is putting it mildly. Dear gentlemen... an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. What is a man with a gun? He lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territory. Now, starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. five weeks earlier, except perhaps for one thing. It was spring now. You could feel it in the streets, smell it in the sun-warm air. I walked up to the little building and housed the Fort Benton Dispatch, a newspaper run by John Warren, whom I had met during my last visit. Outside, a group of men were standing about, peering through the windows. I thought that they looked at me rather strangely when I went inside, and it only took a moment to see why. The newspaper editor, Mr. Warren, sat pale-faced, looking at a rather fierce individual who stood a few feet away from him, wearing two pistols and cradling a shotgun in his arms. Mr. Kendall. Well, how are you, Mr. Warren? Um, am I interrupting? No, no. Uh, sit down. This is George McCune, J.B. Kendall. Howdy. Mr. McCune? That's right. What are you, a uh, deputy or something? No. Mr. Kendall's a newspaper man, writes for the London Times. Oh, is that right? Well, what do you say, Warren? Well, it's the way I told you. I, I'm not a lawyer. I might do you more harm than good. You're going to be like them others, huh? It's not that, but Clint Wallace is a smart man. He knows the law. That there Wallace is a no-good son of a gun. If and he tries any of them smart lawyer tricks on me, I'm going to salivate him right through his fat gizzard. Wallace is prosecuting McCune for the murder of Jack Furlong. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something right here now. I didn't shoot that lily liver cut back of a ruptured hog, no how. Not that I ain't saying whoever done ought to get a medal. I'm inclined to believe him, Kendall. The trouble is, there's not a lawyer in town to take his case. Now, I'm willing to face up to what them furlongs says I done if I get a fair trial. But I've seen what that outlawyer Wallace can do with his fancy twisting words. You, he got me hung right now. Uh, do you mind my asking... Uh, haven't you been arrested? Well, sure, I've been arrested. How come you think I'm still in Benton? I mean, isn't it usual for a suspect to be in jail? Look, there ain't nobody gonna put me in the calaboose, especially for something I ain't done, not know how. Ain't a man in Benton big enough to try it. Why do they suspect you? Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because that eyeballer Buck Furlong, him and that cow critter wife of his, they got it in for me ever since I whooped Buck's brother Jack in a poker game. That's why... I cleaned him out, and he swore he'd get even with me. The whole blame family's been going around Benton saying I gouged Jack in the game. Me gouged you? I ain't never cheated in cards all my born days. Well, do they have any proof, I mean, that, that it was you? They ain't got nothing. There's a mule skinner in town, Ike Dollish. He, he says he saw McCune arguing with Jack Furlong a few minutes before the shooting. 
That fella Dawlish, he herded one band of sheep too many. You know, that fella's plum loco. Everybody around here knows that. Except they take his word because they got it in for me. Shucks, I was up to the other end of town sleeping off a belly full of pop skull when it happened. Anybody see you? Well, if they did, they ain't coming up to say so. Mm. When did it happen, the shooting? Well, it was about two nights back. First I heard of it was the next morning. That Marshal O'Connor, he come up to me, he says, McCune, I got to arrest you for the murder of Jack Furlong. Well, sir, I says to him, Marshal, I hear tell you like to talk of Wendy. Don't you try it on me this morning, because I got a head on me. It's giving me the orc orcs. Well, sir, he comes back at me, and he says, I ain't lying, McCune. You've been identified as a murderer. You'll have to come down to jail with me. And I says, you must be seeing black, O'Connor. If you think I'm going to do any such thing and you try and draw on me, I'll be happy to swap shots with you. <laughs> but I ain't going to pull freight out of here if that's what's worrying you. I'm an innocent man, and you're going to have to prove me otherwise. The trouble is, like I keep telling you, McCune, you're the one who's going to have to prove otherwise. They've got the witness. Oh, why can't you get a lawyer to defend you, Mr. McCune? Well, sure, now I'll tell you why. Because that there Buck Furlong's wife, Maggie, is Barry's daughter, that's why. And Dad Barry's the justice of the peace, and they ain't no lawyer with stuffings enough to stand up again at old whistling britches. Ah, uh, that does make it rather open. You know something? It ain't right nor fitting in these times that a man can be telling the truth and no one believe him. Now, look, Warren, you ain't afraid of that Dad Barry, are you? You know I'm not. Well, then I'll pay you a hundred and silver if you talk for me. I'd like to, McCune, but... All right. All right. You don't have to say no more. I'm walking me up to the trial house, and I'm going in and let them say what they want, and then I'm walking out, and the first man tries to stop me is going to get lead poison. Well, what do you want, O'Connor? Uh, George McHugh is marshal of this here town, and authority vested in me. O'Connor, come on, talk horse. What you want? i got to take you down for the trial, McHugh. I'm asking you polite-like to give up your gun. I'm going to go with you, O'Connor, because you got a duty. But if you think I'm giving up my sixers of this here goose gun, you don't know no more than a mule-eared rabbit. Now, let's rattle hocks out of here. You know, I feel sorry for him, but I'm glad to see him out of here. He's been with me for better than two hours, Kendall. Yes, I can see where he could be quite persuasive. You know, I wasn't kidding. If I'd have thought I could help him, I would. But I'm no good at public speaking and never was. Break out all of a sweat. He'll do better alone. Who is he? Oh, McCune. He used to be an Indian scout with Crook. Hadn't been able to forget his ways. He's a tough man and likes folks to know it. That's why even if he didn't kill Furlong, most everybody figures he did. The jury will, too. You don't think so? No. No, he wouldn't have stayed around for the trial if he had. Besides, he wouldn't have killed a man like Jack Furlong. He'd have got more fun out of stomping his head in. I knew Furlong, his scroungy little toad, always fooling around with women. Somebody else's if he could. What'll happen if the jury finds McCune guilty? I don't know. It'll be trouble, though. Uh, it seems a bit unfair, doesn't it? Well, sure it is. But what are you going to do? You know, as an outsider, I might be able to defend McCune. Do you know anything about the law? Well, I know some pretty important words. That might help. And I have a feeling that McCune's telling the truth. I don't know about old Dad Barry, though. If he doesn't admit you to court, there's nothing you can do. I think he will. Let's go and talk to McCune. When we arrived at the saloon, it was already half full. The 
accused man was sitting in a small storeroom drinking a glass of beer, his, his gun still very much in evidence. Marshal O'Connor stood in the entranceway trying to appear as though he were guarding his prisoner, although he seemed extremely nervous and was obviously unhappy with his job. He didn't want us to talk to McHugh. I'm sorry, Mr. Warren. I can't let either of you gentlemen in to see him. We're his legal counsel, O'Connor. O'Connor, you let him pass by or I'm going to come out. You said you ain't got no lawyer, McHugh. He's got one now. Don't give me no trouble, O'Connor. I ain't in the mood. All right, close the door, O'Connor. Well, I see you changed your mind, Warren. I'm real grateful to you. It's not me, McCune. It's Mr. Kendall. He's going to talk for you. How come? I heard what you had to say. I think there's a good chance you're innocent. Are you a lawyer? No, no, but I know something about law. Probably as much as Mr. Warren. Uh-huh. Uh, how much you figure on getting paid? Well, if we win, what you would have paid Warren. If we lose, no. It won't matter. Yeah. All right. All right, you got yourself a deal. But I want to tell you something, Kendall. If they call me guilty, you better duck, because it's going to be the ding-dangest shoot-up you ever saw in Benton. set up on end in front of it served as a legal bar. Twelve good men and true sat at tables placed to the side in a row. They were highly conscious of their importance to the community, and only four were taking advantage of the convenience of whiskey close at hand. Windows and doors stood open for the comfort of those inside who might feel the spring warmth, and for the accommodation of those crowded outside, unable to obtain even standing room. At one o'clock, court was called to order. The clock hammering on the bar with the butt of his head. We got a case coming up in this here courtroom. On account of George McCune, Bushwhack Jack Furlong, and he's going to get tried for it. Uh, now, everybody get up in the cloud knocker, because here's his honor, Dad Bear, who's the judge this year, brother. All right, everybody's set. Court's in session, and I aim to state this ain't going to be no box social, so don't nobody forget it. Clint Wallace. Uh, right here, Your Honor. You ready to prosecute? I'm ready, Your Honor. How about the defense? <clears throat> the defense is ready. Who are you? J.B. Kendall. I've been retained as barrister to plead the case for my client, George McCune. You one of them traveling lawyers? Uh, no, sir. You got papers allowing you to talk in the territory of Montana? Uh, no, sir. Then sit down. Well, I submit, Your Honor, that Mr. McCune has a right to be heard and is within those rights to call whomsoever he chooses to speak for him. He has chosen me. A, uh, a, a prima facie rule of law. <clears throat> Phipps versus Mahoney, Nougat, um... 1803. <laughs> What's he talking about, Clausen? Well, it sounds like law talk to me, Your Honor. Uh, give me that legal book. Uh, 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 
Well, I ain't gonna hold up this trial whittle-wanging with you, mister. It's so facto. So don't go trying any jackleg stuff with me or by ziggity. I'll find you for contempt of this here judicial court. You savvy? Bring in the prisoner. I'll bring in George with you. Ain't nobody bringing me in. I'll bring him own self. My two. This hombre's on trial for murder. What's he doing with them shooting irons and the shotgun? McCune, you better give me them guns. I ain't giving you nothing. <laughs> Marshal, Julius. Marshal, you hear what I say? Take them weapons off and give. Hey, Yana. Now, I got a big respect for things legal. That's how come I'm here. But if anybody tries to take my sixes, there's going to be a mess of trouble. These here weapons is to protect myself. Marshal, I'm telling you. Dad, you want them guns, you go get them yourself. <laughs> What are you objecting about, Clint? Ain't your court? I'll get on with the trial. Our gentleman and the jury, we're going to prove that George McCune did with malice and plain ornery cousins. Kill poor old Jack Furlong on Thursday night at 9.30 o'clock. The way she's carrying on, you'd think she was married to Jack instead of Buck. We will prove that the killer McCune did Objection. What's the objection, mister? The learned counsel refers to my client as a killer. This has yet to be proved in trial. Ain't no call to object. Go ahead, Clint. <coughs> the killer, McCune, did take a forty-five and blew two holes in said deceased Jack Furlong. It killed him. We got witnesses to say how it happened. <coughs> That's all, Your Honor. All right. Hey, you. What's your name? Kendall. Yeah. Well, go on and make your speech. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, gentlemen of the jury... I shall not take up your time with a verbose statement. I will only say that when the trial is at an end, you, the peers of George McCune, will send him from this courtroom a free man, exonerated of any complicity in this crime. Well, what does he mean by that? Clint, call the first witness. I call Buck Furlong, the dead man's poor brother, to the stand. Uh, swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, so I help you? Sure. Well, tell what your name is, Buck. Shucks, you know my name, Lawson. Now, Buck, this here's a court of law. We gotta do things right. State your name. Buck Furlong. Oh, uh, Mr. Furlong, I'd be obliged if you'd tell the court just what happened on Thursday night. Sure, Clint. Like everybody knows, that no count McCune shot my brother Jack. <laughs> I, I object. You shut up, mister. It's your turn yet. Go ahead, Buck. Jack said he was coming down here to your place, Dad, for a shot of whiskey. And that sidewinder McCune dropped off. Mister, you free mule hit I'm finding you $20 for pulling the gun in this here court. That is contempt. No more questions, Your Honor. Cross-examination. Go on. <coughs> Mr. Furlong, you... You say that McCune killed your brother? He sure did. How do you know that? Everybody knows I it. didn't ask that. How do you know? Because he's the only one could have done. Ike Dawlish seen him do it. And Mr. Dawlish told you. Well, sure. Ain't that right, Dad? That's right, Buck. <coughs> told me, too. You had no other proof? I didn't need none. That's all, Mr. Furlong. Thank you. Next witness. 
There were ten more witnesses after that, all proclaiming Jack Furlong's good name and damning the Cunes. The trial was momentarily interrupted when two deer were spotted frolicking in a meadow a hundred yards from the courtroom. It was a wild dash to the windows in order to obtain a better view. When order was restored, one of the prosecution's most important witnesses was called, Mrs. Buck Furlong. <laughs> oh, Maggie, there ain't a soul here don't understand how you felt about your brother-in-law. It's the truth, the holy truth. <laughs> now, you tell the court what you know about the murder. Well... Well, that highbinder McCune, it wasn't enough. He cheated our poor Jack out of his money, which everyone in Benton knows. He hated him because his conscience wouldn't let him sleep. Haunted him like. So what I figure is when poor Jack went down to get himself a drop of whiskey for his poor tooth, which was ailing him something terrible, he run into McCune and him being a drunken skunk. McCune couldn't stand a face up to him, so he shot him up. <laughs> That's how it happened. Mrs. Furlong. And you, uh, mister, you ought to be ashamed defending a sucking child like that. Ain't nobody! Man, nobody calls me! Mrs. Furlong, you were very fond of your brother-in-law, were you not? A sweet honey boy, he was. Yes, I am sure this must be very painful. But aside from what you were told, you have absolutely no proof that George McCune shot Jack Furlong. hasn't called the eyewitness. Oh, that's a waste of time, you ask me. All right, Clint, call your next witness. I call Ike Dawlish, the man who saw the killing done. Now, you swear to tell the whole truth, Dawlish? Yes, sir, I surely do swear. Uh, your name is Ike Dawlish? Oh, yes. Where was you on Thursday night at 9.30? Well, like I told you, Mr. Wallace, I was coming along the street outside this saloon, and when I got to the corner, there was George McCune shooting up poor old Jack Furlong. Yeah. Then, then he turns and sees me and takes off out of there like a snake-eyed swishtail. I walk over to Jack, and he's lying there feeling mighty poorlyish. And I come in here and tell old Dad Barry, and he goes out and sees what happened. That's all. And you swear it was George McCune done the shooting? Oh, I swear, I surely swear. He's thrown off of Just your mouth, McCune, or I'll find you for contempt. I'm all through, Your Honor. You got any questions, Kendall? Yes. A few. 
Now, what time was it when you saw the shooting, Mr. Dawlish? Uh, 9.30 o'clock. It was dark? Sure it was. How close were you to McCune? Well, fairish way, maybe to where Mr. Wallace is sitting. Uh, 20 feet? And you recognized McCune in the dark from 20 feet away? Oh, not in the dark. When he come out in the light. Ah, in the light. And you had a good look at his face? Good enough. You saw his face? Well, kind of. But I seen McCune around. I know what he looks like without seeing his whole face. How was he dressed? Like he is now. I got a good memory. Them same gray pants. Hey, what's that? Go on. Gray pants. Kind of a black jacket and gray shirt. Black Stetson, too, like in his hand. Exactly the same clothes as he wore the night before last, that? The same. McCune. McCune, will you describe for Mr. Dawlish what you are wearing? I got on black pants, blue jacket, blue shirt, gray Stetson. Same as I always wear. Mr. Dawlish, what is the color of my jacket? Mr. McCune at all. I think you either saw someone else, or perhaps you shot Jack Furlong yourself and blamed it on McCune. I'm getting out of here. How did you know, Kendall? <laughs> I didn't. Not until Dawlish made that slip about color. The rest was luck. You know, I feel kind of sorry for little Runt, even if he did blame it on me. As he said why he did it? Oh, well, it seems Jack Furlong was rather romantically inclined toward Dawlish's wife. He knew Mr. McEwen would be the easiest person to blame for the shooting, and, well, that was that. Hey, and not that it makes no never mind, but listen to that Maggie Furlong, you figure maybe she and Jack was uh, romantically inclined? Hmm? I figure that Jack Furlong had a very bad case of spring fever. It killed him. Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Jack Crucian, Harry Bartell, Joe Kearns, Will Wright, Jack Moyles, Jeanette Nolan, Vic Perrin, and Stacey Harris. Music was composed and conducted by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to be with us again next week at this time for another chapter from the journal of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman's.